morning, Crestmont. It's so good to see all of you. Last uh, Sunday of August, I don't know where the summer went, but we're really excited for the fall. Um, if you don't know, my name is Joel Repick. I'm the lead pastor here at Crestmont. And today our format is going to be a little bit different because I'm going to ask three of our other staff members to come up on the platform here and join me. So guys, why don't you come on up? And as they come on up, and you guys can take a seat over there for a second, um, I just want to say, first of all, guys, isn't Kay doing an amazing job <laughs> with announcements? Since she disclosed to us her fear, can we disclose to her our appreciation, you know? Um, we really appreciate it. <laughs> and, um, and Jenny and Mary have been doing an amazing job as well. The three of them, I approached them midsummer and said, you know, we just really need to clarify our announcements some, and I think they're doing an excellent job at communicating what is often a very busy ministry schedule here for us at Crestmont. So I hope you're finding it helpful uh, to keep up with everything that's happening at the church. One thing I did want to personally bring to your attention before we get going this morning is that you may or may not know that 2017 is the 100th anniversary of Crestmont Alliance Church. I think we have a save the date poster that we can put up on the screen here somewhere in the announcements. You have that? Um, but it's our 100th anniversary. Our church was started in 1917. This is actually our third building that we've worshipped in. And we don't have everything planned yet but we just want you to save these dates, November 18th and 19th. We will be doing some kind of celebration the evening of Saturday 18th. And on Sunday, November 19th, we will have both a morning worship service that we hope even some of our friends that we haven't seen for a while will come and, and join with us in, um, you know, if they've moved or been part of our church in the past. And uh, that evening, we will have a community worship service that we're hoping some of our sister churches in the region, um, both in the Christian Missionary Alliance and in other movements will join us for. And I really feel like this 100th year for us is a year to launch into the future. So I'm so excited for that. We're going to remember the past, but we're also going to look with anticipation to what God has for us in the future. So that's kind of exciting, isn't it? And I hope, I hope you guys will be able to join us for it. Well, church, this morning, what we want to do very intentionally, it's not going to be, uh, you know, what we normally do as a sermon here at Crestmont. Um, we want to talk to you about what we have developed, and by we, I mean the staff at Crestmont, as well as the leadership team. Um, we want to present to you what we have developed together um, as a philosophy of ministry for ministering to our young people. And that includes our children and our youth. By the way, our kids are in the service again today, so let's welcome them real quick. I always like to welcome them when they're here. And just a reminder, kids are welcome in our service, including the noises they make. But if for some reason uh, you feel like you need to step out, we do have the live feed in the prayer room. You can go out these doors um, over here at the back of the sanctuary and make a right. And at the end of the hallway, you'll find a live feed in that room if you need to step out for a minute. So we put together a concise statement that describes for us what we want 
to see accomplished in the lives of the young people that God has given to us at Crestmont. And church family, I don't have to tell you that I think God has called us to ministry with young people, you know, at our church. Um, There's this phrase we increasingly like to use in our church, go where the grace is. You know, how, how can you tell the direction that God is leading? Will you go where the grace is? You know, where there's favor, where he's opening doors. Very often, those are the places that God is leading us. I know in my life, I've spent a lot of time trying to go where grace isn't because I want God to do something else, you know? But it goes a lot easier for us if we just go where he is giving grace. And so this is how I know that God has anointed this church for children's and youth ministry, simply because we have like a million kids and youth in our church, right? It's one of the first things that people notice when they come to Crestmont. And, um, and I think it's a particular anointing that he's given us. So that makes me pay attention. Go where the grace is. Okay, we have grace to minister to young people because God has bring, brought us so many. And not just in this gathering on Sunday morning, but if we added up all of the, at this point, hundreds of children and youth that this church has touched, even through its partner ministries um, in our community. I mean, we're just, in the last 10 years, I don't know, there's no way to add it up, but we're just talking literally hundreds and hundreds of kids that people from this church have interfaced with. And so uh, we think this is something that God has called us to, and we want to pay attention to it. So just to begin this morning, um, I want to just very personally share with you a prayer that God put on my heart um, back in May. So sometimes I come into the sanctuary and I pray when no one else is here. And I was walking around praying very often. I'll grab a Bible off my shelf and I'll start walking around and open up to a psalm to get started. On that day, I picked up this English Standard Version ESV Bible um, and I turned to Psalm 36. And it'll be on the screen behind me, but I just want you to hear these few verses, um, 36, 7, and 8. It says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Now, other translations will render this, people take refuge in the shadow of your wings, and that's a correct translation. But the ESV says the children of mankind, which is important to my story. And then verse 8, they feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Very simply, Because this translation says children instead of just people, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to take some time to pray this passage over our kids and over our youth. And there were four things that I really felt like God wanted me to press in on in prayer. And sometimes this happens to me. Sometimes I feel like, you know, sometimes I just pray freely, but sometimes I feel like God puts a specific prayer on my heart that I'm supposed to kind of settle in for a time and just stick with until we see some fruit um, as we ask God to do what only he can do. And so that's how I'm feeling for this year with Psalm 36, 7, and 8. First of all, I'm praying to God that our kids would live and move in his steadfast love. I want that to be the foundation and the environment of everything we do with young people in our church, to be the love of God. I don't want any young person to ever leave our church, Crossmont, when they get older and go off to college or they move or whatever and doubt that there is a God who loves them. Amen? I want them to know it. 
And I want them to know it in our lives and because of our words. Second, this whole thing about the shadow of God's wings, I'm praying protection over our kids. And Kent was praying out of some of that today. Our God is a protector, and we want to pray his protection over our young people in a world where there's so much harm and so much negativity that's coming at them. We want to pray for God's protection. This next part to feast on the abundance of God. I love this. You know, the old, the old timers in the Christian Missionary Alliance, the way they used to talk about feasting on the abundance of God's salvation, they would use this term, full gospel. Um, as a matter of fact, I think that was our earliest name as a church. Many Alliance churches, the earliest name was the full gospel tabernacle. Um, and I love that phrase, full gospel, because what it means is that we will spend all of eternity plummeting the depths of what we've been given because of the cross. Amen? And so we're not just teaching kids some simplistic thing where, you know, God gives you a couple things, answers a few prayers, and you pray a prayer and you hope that you get to heaven. What we're saying is that beginning, the moment you come to Jesus, um, the, the moment your walk begins with him, you are walking in the richness of his salvation. And so I'm praying that that experience is true for them. And lastly, that their true delight would be in God. I like how the psalmist says that you give them drink from the river of your delights. You know, we were made to delight in God. Amen? We are never more satisfied than when we delight in him. And to pray that God would cause our young people to delight in him is to say something very different than just that our young people would delight in a children's ministry program or that they would delight in a youth group or that they would delight in a children's worker or a youth worker. I hope all of those things are true, but we're going for something deeper because if all they delight in is a program or a person, they will outgrow that delight. But Jesus is a delight who will last for all of eternity. Amen? You know, when I was little, I loved to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Loved it. I love Chuck E. Cheese. How many of you kids love Chuck E. Cheese? Okay, good. <laughs> but I see your other, I see the faces. The parents are already making faces. Because when I was a kid, I loved Chuck E. Cheese. But then when I became an adult my delights changed, right? Like the thought of paying twice as much for half as good pizza, right? And to put up with screaming and crying, to walk out with a pile of junk, you know, for all that money, right? Like my delights changed. And this is why we need something more significant for our young people to delight in than just a fun program or a fun person because they'll outgrow it, friends. They'll outgrow it. And we want to see our young people begin to delight in Jesus. Okay, what I'm going to do to really kick us off uh, this morning is I'm actually going to read this statement to you. And we have it up here because at the end of the service, we're going to agree to do this together. It's not that long, but I put it on the screen behind me. You can find it in your bulletin. There's bulletins in front of you in the pew, and some of you grabbed them when you came in. And I just share with you that prayer out of Psalm 36 because some of you may feel led uh, to pray those verses over our young people in this upcoming year as well. But I'm just going to read this to you, and then we're going to spend just a short time talking about what we mean by this statement. 
discipling our kids together. Our primary goal at Crestmont is to make disciples. Being a disciple simply means to be a learner or student. Jesus called his original 12 disciples to be with him, minister alongside him, become like him, and continue his mission on earth. The responsibility to disciple our young people belongs to all of us. We are an Acts 1-8 family that is collectively responsible to disciple the young people God has given to our care. We believe lightweight, low-maintenance strategies that are heavy on relationships are the best way to accomplish this mission. We also recognize that prayer is our primary work, so ministering to our kids is impossible without a foundation of intercession for them. Together, we will invite young people to Jesus' presence. We will give every young person the opportunity to hear the gospel, respond in faith, and receive God's salvation in Jesus. We desire to see our young people engage Jesus in prayer, worship, and service. We believe young people can walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and experience the power he provides for life and mission. Teach young people the basics. We will provide learning-rich environments where young people can saturate their minds and hearts with the truth of Scripture. This means we teach them basic theology, scriptural themes, and the meaning of baptism and the Lord's Supper. We also find ways to encourage scripture memorization. Surround young people with love. We will create environments that are emotionally and physically safe, provide boundaries and expectations for behavior, and empower young people to lead and take responsibility. Young people should have the opportunity to be mentored by safe, caring adults who model discipleship. We create inclusive environments where young people from different economic, cultural, and family backgrounds can become friends empower young people for mission. We will create opportunities for young people to participate in local and global mission opportunities, grow in compassion for the poor and marginalized, and learn to engage opportunities for mission in their own schools, neighborhoods, and circles of friends. All right, one thing I just want to say before I let these wonderful people talk is I just want to draw your attention to the phrase in the first paragraph, we believe lightweight and low-maintenance strategies that are heavy on relationships are the best way to accomplish this mission. Um, Church, I want to let you in on a secret. Discipleship requires a lot of strategy. It does not require a lot of money. Discipleship is actually incredibly and efficiently cheap. And the reason that's the case is because the kingdom always travels along relational lines, not along programmatic lines. It's, the programs are only good insofar as they provide context for the relationships to be formed. And then we see the really good things happen. Now, I'm happy to resource our children's and youth ministries with the financial support that they need. And we do make that a priority here at Crestmont in our budget. But let me be clear, um, you can have all of the bells and whistles. And there are many churches, Crestmont, that have more resources than we do. And God bless it. I'm so happy that kingdom resources are there and that God moves those resources around as he pleases. But let me just reassure you that we don't need much to make disciples. All right? All we really need is the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you know, at work in our lives and the willingness 
to invest our own lives and relationships into the young people that God has placed around us. Um, It doesn't take much. I think we need to keep it simple as we move forward. Even as we're a growing church, I want to keep it simple as we move forward uh, with our young people um, and emphasize the right thing along the way. All right, I'm going to let these folks talk, but I want to introduce them to you really quick um, if you don't know them. So this is John Jordan, worship leader extraordinaire, and... um, and our uh, Director of Student Ministry here at Crestmont. Devontae Thorne is our newest addition to our staff. You welcomed him a few weeks ago, and he's the Assistant Director of Student Ministry now working with John. So both of these guys are part-time at our church, and together they make a full-time position for the youth ministry. And then, and they're always going to walk around the church like that, which is going to make people uncomfortable, but you'll get used to it. And then... um, And then I want to introduce this special person, but I have an announcement to make, all right? So I'll use your your original name. Um, Jemira has been part of our community now since she came to work for Aliquip Impact in 2008. That means for nine years, she has been coming around our community. Can we just like put a hand together for that? For nine years. About, I don't know, a year and a half ago, one day a bunch of us are hanging out, and Jemira says, you know that's not my name, right? And we're like, what? So apparently the story is we started mispronouncing her name early on, and I've probably been the greatest perpetrator of this, and started saying Jemira, 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 and just in her, her kindness and meekness in those early years, she never corrected it. But then, as our relationships grew, she thought, you know what, maybe people should call me by my real name. That's not too much to ask, right? When you've been working in our ministries for nine years, I think that's a benefit we could give, is to call someone by their correct name. So, Jamira is actually Jamara, all right? Jamara. Isn't that a beautiful name? Jamara. Can we all say it together? (laughs) Jamara. Let's, I think we all need to do it at the same time. This is some kind of healing exercise we're going through. Okay, one, two, three. Jamara, Miss Jamara, okay? And Jamara is our director of children's ministry here at the church. And I often say that Jamara has one of the most difficult jobs in our church simply because of the size of our children's ministry relative to the size of our church. We For our size congregation, we have an extraordinarily large children's ministry, and she does an excellent job um, holding that together. So um, we want to walk you through these different sections of the statement that you have in front of you. So, John, why don't you get started? So first, we want to, as you can see there, invite young people to Jesus' presence. A few years ago, I heard a teaching from uh, the president of Alliance Theological Seminary. His name's Ron Walborn. But he was talking about this concept of uh, bounded and centered sets. And I've shared this with some of you youth uh, ministry parents. But, but there's basically these uh, two ideas of how you form and keep a group together, okay? And one is a bounded set, and you can guess it has boundaries, okay? So there's fences and, and kind of things that say who's in and who's out. And, and on the other side, there's a centered idea of keeping a set together. Let me illustrate this for you. It works with people and with animals. So imagine if you had like 
10 cows and you wanted to keep them together, there's two ways to do it. You can either set up boundaries. You can have a bounded set and put a fence around them and say, here's your field. You stay there. You can't get out. Okay. Or you can, on the centered set, you can put a feeding trough right in the middle of the field and the cows will stay close to the feeding trough because it's their source of life and food and all that stuff that they like. Okay. So we learned this several years ago. um, And I think we've uh, tried to incorporate this. Um, now, we're not treating our kids like cattle, okay? But here's, here's the difference. I grew up in some church environments that could be more characterized by this bounded set mentality. It's like, here's the rules, here's the box. You either fit in or you don't. You're either in or you're out, in or out, in or out. I haven't been in Pittsburgh that long, but I can nail that Pittsburghese, okay? All right. Um, And on the other hand, you have ministries that say, here's Jesus. We're putting him at the center, and we're drawing people to Jesus. And it may be a little bit like messier to decide who's in and who's out, but we're calling people to Jesus and thinking that that's probably the better way to do it. Because what happens, and what Ron Walborn talks about a lot, even in the story of raising his own kids, this has been impactful for me as a parent too, is that In the bounded set, it looks all right for a little bit, but when the kid gets freedom, you haven't exactly won the heart of the child over, okay? You've just given them rules and restrictions, and and we can probably count very many people we know who had strict um, guidelines, and then when they got out of that, they did whatever they wanted to do. On the other hand, what we want to do is we want to win the hearts of our young people and our children, and so our, our goal in that first point is to invite young people into Jesus's presence, to lift him up. And the word says that when Jesus is lifted up, he draws people to himself. And so that's, that's our prayer. And we do this, you see there, we do this by giving kids the opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond in faith with salvation. All right, that's like, first and foremost, that's where we start. And we have kids from all backgrounds and, um, and experiences in the church. But Oftentimes, we start presenting the story of Jesus and the gospel and his death for us and give them a chance to respond in faith to that. And then what we want to do is engage kids in prayer and worship and service, okay? And, and I see this happening, you know, we do this in our youth and children's ministry. We have times of prayer and worship, but I also want to point out Part of this body gathering together on a Sunday or at smaller gatherings, I as a parent, I want my kids to see us gathered in worship together, church. Like, I think a lot is caught more than just taught, you know? And so they see us worshiping the Lord together. They see us in community together. They see us pray uh, together. And they're a part of those things. And that's one of the ways. But we also do that in our youth ministry by um, teaching them to, to journal out prayers or to teaching, and teaching them to praying for each other. We go on prayer walks in the community. Um, we worship together and we do service. And we'll get to more of that later. One of the things I really love in the children's ministry uh, Jamara has taught my kids to recognize God sightings, and this is something I use at home, and this is how we disciple our kids together. Uh, my kids who are going to the bathroom right now, um, <laughs> it's been a great tool for us. Like Before they go to bed, it's like, where have you seen God in action today? Where, what's a God sighting you've seen today? And that's one thing that's helped me as a parent um, bridge the gap in learning to you know, work alongside Jamara and what she's teaching them to teach my own kids. And then that last sentence is, we believe young people can walk in the fullness 
of the Holy Spirit and experience the power he provides for life and mission. You know, kids don't get like a mini version of the Holy Spirit, right? There's no like mini me Holy Spirit for the little ones and then it grows. No, like when, when, when youth decide to follow Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of all of us, you know, grown-ups, lives inside of them. The same power of, that rose Jesus from the dead lives in them, and we believe that. And so we do things sometimes that may feel like throwing kids in the deep end and expecting them to hear from the Lord or pray for people out on the street or go to Belglade and, like, ask God to heal somebody. And, like, that is awesome because that is Jesus has promised to be there in their prayer just as he's promised to be there when we pray for people. And so we don't believe that there's any lesser version. We believe that um, our kids have the full um, power of the Holy Spirit. And, and one thought to end with this, and Kent, your word before the service struck a chord with me. My daughter started kindergarten this year, and, um, and so it was her first Thursday was her first day, and I found myself praying a lot more for her on Thursday than I, than I normally do. It was like, you know, like throwing her out into this new environment, and, and you know, the Lord just kept her on my heart. But one, one thought that I had, and this kind of goes back to that bounded and centered thing, you know, it was, it was so easy to start praying, Lord, protect her, you know, guard her, and keep bad things from happening to her, you know, that kind of prayer. And that's an okay prayer, but there's going to be like things that happen throughout her 18 plus, you know, years under my care. And, and my prayer quickly shifted to, yeah, I want you to protect her, but I also just want you to fill her and draw her to yourself so strongly that those other things that come against her would just, you know, fall to the wayside. And that as she loves Jesus more and more, that, um, that it's more, you know, it's more about, you know, the greater is he who is in her than he who is in the world. And so that's our prayer for our students. We invite them to Jesus' presence. Hi, everybody. Um, I am so happy that I get to talk to you all today about the teach portion of discipling our kids together. Um, for those of you that do not know, my background is in education. Um, I firmly believe that as an educator, we are to be lifelong learners. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been called to be disciples, which means that we are called to a life of learning and growth. We will forever be learning about who Jesus is and the work that was done at the cross for all of us. As we continue to learn what it means to disciple our kids together, I would like to share with you what we have been doing, what we will continue to do, and what we are planning to do to teach young people the basics. In our children's ministry, more formally known as Alliance Kids, we have three goals in place for both the early learner and the lower and upper elementary age student. By the time a child is three years old, our goal is that they'd have a working knowledge of 10 attributes of God. For example, God is holy, God is creator, God is all-knowing. Second, that they know who Jesus is. And third, they will have heard basic Bible stories. By the time a child is 12 years old, our goal is that they'd have a basic understanding of creation, fall, and redemption. They can understand the role and identity of the Holy Spirit, and they'd understand God's plan for mission. For example, 
The gospel is for everyone. No one is exempt from it. And as followers of Jesus, we've been called to go and share his love with all of those that we come in contact with, no matter how old we are. This is a clear picture of what the basics are and what we want to teach. In both Alliance Youth and Alliance Kids Sunday School, students are learning a catechism that includes 59 questions. Historically, many churches have used catechisms to teach through questions and answers. This catechism is broken up into three categories. Christ, creation, fall, and law. Christ, redemption, and grace. And spirit, restoration, and growing in grace. Sunday school begins at 9.30, and there are classes for the entire family. If you noticed when you came in today, there's even coffee in the foyer. <laughs> If you didn't have a chance to get your second cup before leaving your house, you could always grab a cup here. Sunday school is an incredible place for your children to learn the basics. Lastly, I'd like to share with you what our continued hope is for the future. As children continue to be immersed in our ministries here at Crestmont, they will be given opportunities to memorize scripture. One way that we are doing that tangibly um, starting Sunday, September 17th, is our Awana program. Awana is for children ages two through fifth grade. Um, I'm gonna share with you a little later about how to sign up. Um, Awana will meet on Sunday evenings from six o'clock to seven o'clock, or excuse me, wow. Six o'clock to seven o'clock, wait, no. <laughs> six o'clock to 7.15 on the lower level um, of our building. Um, our goal is, for, uh, excuse me, our goal for Awana is to reach kids, equip leaders, and change the world. We want Awana to be a place that is both highly scriptural and highly relational. First Thessalonians 2.8 says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. On Sunday evenings, your child will be given an opportunity to be a part of this great connection. We will reach kids through fun, scripture-rich experiences. Here, they'll be equipped with basic tools to memorize scripture and given tangible examples on how to live out the gospel. Awana is also a great place for your children to learn the basics. Before I take my seat, I want to share with you a brief story. This past summer, I was given an opportunity to take a course through Child Evangelism Fellowship. For one of our assignments, we were to practice sharing the gospel using the wordless book. And so this is an example of the wordless book. There are no words in it, there are just pages. Each page of the wordless book shares a different part of God's story. The gold page explains who God is. So I went to a friend, and I sat down with one of her kids, and as we were discussing the gold page, I asked him a simple question. Hey, buddy, can you tell me who God is? And his response was simply this. God is the creator of everyone and everything. I immediately recognized this as an answer to one of our catechism questions. 
as a result of his participation in Sunday school, he was able to answer one of our catechism questions outside of the classroom context. As we teach children the basics, we are giving them the tools needed to share the gospel everywhere they go. Um, as I mentioned to you, I was going to share with you how to sign your kids up for WANA. So Kay mentioned earlier that as you came in, you may or may not have received a bulletin. If you did not receive one, you can look in front of you because there's a bulletin there. Um, in there, you will see a piece of paper that's folded up um, just about like this. And at the end of the service, you can sign your kids up today. Morning, good morning, good morning. Um, okay, surround, um, surround young people with love. Um, we all want to be loved. We all want to um, feel like we're loved. We all want to, um, for it to be shown. Um, and what's love without um, feeling safe? What's love without um, knowing that you are in a safe environment? Um, and that's what we want. We want Crestmont to be a safe environment. Um, and we have these things called safe place policies. Can you all, can you all say safe place? Yes, this is all, okay, so during my time at Aliquippa Impact, um, this is something that we went over over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and safe place policies are something that I, um, I really respect and I, I, I believe it will um, encourage us to just make sure we're um, going in the right direction and make sure we're not um, overstepping any boundaries. So there's some of the things that we um, incorporate um, or we follow in our safe place policies. Um, so we all have our clearances. So as staff, we are required to have clearances, um, and um, we all have those. So praise the Lord for that. And we uh, <laughs> and we follow these things. Just certain things like appropriate uh, physical touch, um, like sideways hugs, and not just being too touchy um, with kids or each other. Um, except for me and John. Me and John have a different relationship. Um, <laughs> um, the two adult rule. Just making sure there's two adults to like every kid. Um, and like if you're being supervised, if the kid's being supervised, making sure there's two adults in the room and not just being one, because it's just, you know, you don't want to cause any, you know, trouble. Um, and the open door policy, uh, making sure there's a, like, we have windows, or making, if we don't have a window on the door, making sure the door is open when we're meeting with um, kids. Just simple things like that. It's just stuff to, you know, we don't want to cause any confusion at all. Um, and we want this to be a safe place. And Joel gave me the scoop um, yesterday, I forgot about this, there will be a new, um, just to add on to the safety thing, to be a new um, check-in policy for the youth. So they'll be able to go in and like check in and um, do that. Um, and that's coming up soon. So just be aware of that. And um, moving forward, um, we want to build, we want to bridge the gap culturally um, and just like through family uh, backgrounds and just things like that. Uh, we want to be a church that is uh, able to do that with our youth and just be able to, um, I don't know, just I just bridge that gap, like I said. So um, just a quick story of bridging the gap. Um, there was a parent that came up to me uh, during the summer, and she, her, her kid, she wanted her kid just to, I guess, like, make a new friend or make new friends. And she came up to me, and she was like, hey, my kid just loves basketball and video games. Like, that's just it. Like, anything else outside of that, it just flies over his head. So basketball and video games is what he, what he likes. And there was this, another kid that um, we worked with through Aliquippa Impact, uh, city camp, and he loves basketball and video games. So he was like, let's just get them together and see what happens. Um, and over the weekend, I mean, over that weekend, there was um, something going on with the youth that uh, we would be able to, like, I guess, like, propel, like, the kids that are going to, to middle school 
um, and just get them into an environment with other kids that are going into middle school and like getting into the youth. And um, we were able to get these, these two together and they like hit it off. They like exchanged like gamer tags and were like playing video games the night, that night, like all night and they just loved it. So um, I guess that was just a good way to like get them together and just, um, just be in just a good environment with each other. So uh, I think that's it. Lastly, um, we want to empower young people for mission. Um, obviously, Jesus' call to us as followers of him was to go and make disciples. And I can tell you personally in my own life that, that following Jesus made a whole lot more sense um, as I got older and saw the mission that he was calling us to. And honestly, I think young people really do want to be a part of something, especially as they get older, want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And so we want to empower young people for mission. And that happens in our own community and, um, and global mission opportunities. Um, and so, you know, you know, you may say, how does that happen globally? Well, I know in the children's ministry, they have taken up offerings before in support of global missions. And then I can tell you that in the future, we do want to offer some of our youth the opportunity to go overseas um, for some mission opportunities um, in the near future. We've gone to Belglade before, which is, has been a, uh, a mission opportunity for us. But um, as I put together the summer calendar for our youth, if you, um, if you guys have youth or saw any of that, you know that I put a high... Um, uh, a high stand, no, not standard, whatever the word is, um, um, emphasis on on opportunities in our local community. So pretty much every month, um, more than once, we were in a service opportunity, whether it was the local garden on Spring Street or helping with Communicycle um, or helping down at the bookstore, um, doing a cleanup day down there. We had several of these throughout the summer. And what I hope to engage our students in is not only just service um, where they're able to work and do something, but also um, Communicycle is this great ministry where they're able to um, be there with people and talk with them and get to know folks. So we did Communicycle, and we don't know anything about bikes. We don't know how to fix a bike. It, it, if you don't know, it's a bicycle ministry, and people bring bikes in, and they can fix them up, and kids can earn free bikes. Well, I don't know much about fixing a bike other than, you know, how to put the chain back on. Um, but our job that night really was to talk to people. Um, and so the, some adults came along and some kids came and we went out into uh, the neighborhood and we started like inviting people to the bike area, but also praying for people. And that night, it was really cool. There was a student, I, I, I would wager that he has not prayed out on the streets of his own neighborhood ever before. Um, but we came upon a lady that had a boot on her leg and we just said, hey, could we take a, a moment to pray for you? And, and, and the adults in the group prayed, but then I challenged the student. I was like, hey, would you pray for her? And we had already told them, the main point is just that she knows Jesus loves her. Like, and it's Jesus' job if he wants to heal the leg or not, you know. And, 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 this, and this young man prayed, like, such a sweet prayer for this lady. And, like, she was visibly moved. Like, she was like, thank you guys so much. Like, and she pointed him out. And just that he would pray for her. And that's what we want to do with our students. We want to get them in these opportunities to serve in their community. Um, and then to send them out into their own schools and neighborhoods to see that Jesus has sent us out on a mission. And we're part of a bigger story than just, you know, coming to church, doing this thing, and then going our own way.
All right. Just as I wrap up, did I leave my paper? Hmm. Hmm. We're good. Um, just, just as I wrap up, um, I want to challenge you in just a couple ways um, as we hear this together. Um, first of all, I want to ask you to pray. Um, we're calling this Discipling Our Kids Together because we truly do believe that every single one of us has a role to play in the development of young people. And just because you're part of this church, you know, whether you're old or young or single or married or you have kids of your own or you don't, just because you're part of this community, your life will come into contact with the lives of young people. And we believe that we all have a role to play. And it begins in prayer because, church, we are asking God to do things that only he can do. You understand what I'm saying? Like, no program is going to cut it. Um, it's why it says in the statement that we have to lay a foundation of intercession. And so, church, I just want to call you up as a community of faith to believe God for the impossible for our young people. Amen? To believe that he will encounter them young and often. And to keep praying until we see the Holy Spirit working in power among our kids. Secondly, I just want to encourage you in response to this statement to do something. Now listen, I understand that not everyone is able to be a children's or youth ministry volunteer. We always need more at our church, FYI. But I understand that not everyone is able to do it. But even if you're not able to serve in that way, you can point out a character quality that you see in a young person. You can point out where you see God working in their lives. You can smile at them. You can make them feel welcome. You can pray for them. You can encourage their parents. There is something that every single one of us can do. And here's my last challenge, just out of my heart for you this morning, is let's be careful how we talk about children's and youth ministry at Crestmont. Here's what I mean. Years ago, it was a long time ago, but I had someone tell me, my life is crazy right now with my kids. Our life is like insane, and church ought to be the one place I can come to to escape all of that. Well, Crestmont is probably the wrong church, if that's what you're looking for, because children and youth are everywhere. And honestly, if we have attitudes that make it seem like we're trying to escape our young people when we come to church, it will not be long before they are trying to escape the church. You understand what I'm saying? And so I really feel like we have to be careful in the ways that we talk. We all know what it feels like to be signed up for Alliance Kids Worship on a Sunday morning, and you, that is like the last thing you want to do on that Sunday. Jamara knows that feeling, right? Everybody knows it. But listen, on those days, maybe especially, I want to encourage you to bless and not curse. Don't curse your experience downstairs by saying to your friend in earshot of your kids, oh, I have to be down there again. I want to encourage you, instead, bless it. I get to be down there because God is doing something, and I'm trusting in his strength that to give me what I do not have today to do it. Um, we're going to sing again in just a minute as we close the service, so if the musicians could come forward. But just in these last couple minutes, um, I want to share with you that in preparation for our time together this morning, where the Lord kept taking my mind was to the very, very many people who invested in me as a kid. 
and who invested in me as a young person. You know, for me, it did start at home. Uh, my mom um, met Jesus not all that long before I was born. And one thing I remember very often growing up is I would come down the steps in the morning and my mom would be sitting in the living room with her Bible open doing a Bible study. And I don't know if she was even thinking that I was noticing, you know, but I was. You know, she loved the Word of God. And very often, she would just talk to me about Jesus in the car on the way to soccer practice, on the way to whatever was happening at school. She made Jesus seem so real to me because of the way that she talked about him. My grandmother, some of you knew her, my grandmother who loved to worship Jesus. You know, we didn't always raise hands as much as we do in our church now. That's just something that kind of happened over time. But my grandmother raised hands long before there were hand raisers at Crestmont. And uh, she would always sit right up here, hands in the air, and she loved to talk to me about encounters with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit did things that she couldn't even explain, but just the way she talked about the Holy Spirit, she made the Holy Spirit seem real to me. There was this guy in Covenant Word Fellowship in Ohio, John Avalone. He was an elder there. He saw that there were a group of fourth and fifth graders in the church. His kids were grown, but he pulled some of us together on, I forget what it was, Sunday nights, I think, and he began to talk to us about scripture. And you know what? He wasn't the best like children's ministry guy, but we loved being with him. And he imparted to us the word of God. My fourth grade teacher, Miss Kuhn, I went to Christian school and she taught me not just the Bible stories about Moses and David, but also about Balaam and Samson and these more like obscure stories in the Old Testament. And I can remember my peers arching their backs with their hands up high to ask questions about these heroes of scripture who did exploits for God. Dee Dee Hayes, who was the principal at Rima Christian School, and she encouraged us as fifth and sixth graders to begin seeking God for ourselves. And church, in fifth grade, I started to wake up early in the morning to pray. And it was because of Dee Dee's influence. She made us really think that we could hear God for ourselves, made us believe it. Mikey Saccone, who was my first Sunday school teacher here when we came to Crestmont when I was a fifth grader, and she would get so caught up in the lesson and so excited about it that her hands would eventually go up and her eyes would be closed and she'd have a little praise break right in the middle of the lesson just say isn't Jesus good isn't Jesus good I felt like she was experiencing something I wasn't at the time but I wanted what she had she was so excited Carol Schuess whose passion for mission for global mission in particular made me very young probably in sixth grade put up a map of Afghanistan on the wall of my room so I could begin to pray for that nation. Sherry Winterman, who emphasized character to us and taught in the youth Sunday school for a long time when I was in high school. Joyce Patterson, who one time in choir practice um, pointed out that God had an anointing on my life, and she did it in a really public way. And I'll never forget those words coming from an adult in this church that God had called me. Um, and then in middle school, I'm at this camp, I'm at this retreat, and the Holy Spirit encounters me. I don't even think I had language for what was happening, but Andy and Jean Moore just were with me in that. They just sat with me in it while the Holy Spirit did his thing and affirmed to me that it was God working. Roy Price, who 
was one of my youth leaders, and he sat with me um, while I was talking to this homeless guy on the north side of Pittsburgh in what is still one of the most incredible God encounters I ever had. And rather than pulling me back from it or trying to discount what was God was doing or trying to protect me from this homeless guy, instead, he sat with me and saw what God was doing in our midst. Um, Scott Gano, who one day I'm at this youth retreat, and I feel like God wants me to go to Walmart to share with someone about Jesus. And instead of just saying, oh, that's a nice thing, little boy. Instead, we dropped everything and we went to Walmart and shared the gospel with someone that night. Michael and Brooke Witterman, who all along the way championed me as a young person. And listen, the kind of humility it takes, they're still in our church, Michael's an elder, the kind of humility it takes to have someone in your youth group now as a lead pastor of the church and to be willing to follow their leadership, it's extraordinary. And it proves that all along the way, they really did believe what they were telling me, um, that God could use me. Bob and Elaine Schreiner, who took the youth group on a mission trip, our first mission trip to Belglave, Florida, at a time when the hearts of our youth group was breaking because we were experiencing some hardship, and they stepped up and did it with us. And I remember as a high school student standing in a driveway with Howard Winterman and Nick Lages, and they were talking about their relationship with God in a way that once again made me think that this God that they were talking about, they really believed that he was real. Now listen, all of these people, and I could mention like so many more. You know what's interesting about them? I have their names written here. They don't constitute any kind of class of people. They're older and younger. Um, some of them had kids that were my age. Some of them had kids younger than me. Some had kids that were grown and out of the house. You think they'd be done with kids, but they were still willing to invest. Some of them didn't have kids of their own at all. They were married and single. All different kinds of people. I'm sure that they had problems of their own. Many times I didn't even know about the problems they had until I was an adult myself. But you know what? As I look at this list, you know what's incredible? I never heard one of them complain about having to serve. I never heard one of them complain about having to serve in the children's ministry or having to serve in the youth ministry. And you know what? They're real people. I'm sure there were hard days. I'm sure there were days when they were tired and they didn't want to do it again, you know? But they did anyway, and they never let me believe that they were there by anything but choice, by Holy Spirit-empowered choice, you know? And I know that they prayed. So listen, we all have a role to play. You see what I'm saying? And I believe that God is writing a beautiful story here. You see, I don't think that the children and youth in our church are some like side story to what God is doing at Crestmont. I think when we get to the revival that we're praying for, our kids and youth are going to be in the middle of it. Amen? They're going to be right in the middle of it because that's what we're expecting to see. So here's my challenge to you. Can, Devontae, can you move this over here? That would be awesome. We're going to put this statement in the middle here. And the children's and youth ministry staff just thought, wouldn't it be cool if we as a congregation put our names on this and said, this is discipling our kids together, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter, you know, if we can volunteer or not, no matter, you know, and listen, so many of you do this so well, so beautifully already. Um, there's so many people in this church who are such incredible examples of the very thing I'm talking about. 
Um, But I just today wanted to reaffirm our commitment to be a church that disciples our kids together. So here's how we're going to end. I'm going to dismiss. I'm going to pray and dismiss and let you guys go. The worship team is going to sing. And if you can say, yes, whatever role it is, I, I don't even know that I know what God is calling me to. It might just be prayer. It might be volunteering. Whatever God is calling me to, I want to put my name to this and say I'm in to discipling our kids together. If that's you, then I just want you to come up as you leave and you can sign this. And then listen, if you don't want to come up here, we're going to leave this for a couple of weeks out in the foyer and give people an opportunity to sign because we realize not everyone is with us today. So would you stand to your feet and let's just pray a blessing. Lord, we do bless the kids and youth that you've given to this church. And Lord, we just ask that you would come. Holy Spirit, write a story for us. Holy Spirit, we're in it for the stories. We're in it for the stories. And Lord, we want those moments when a kid says, I met Jesus because of someone at this church. We want those stories when someone says, I received the filling of the Holy Spirit because of the ministry that was happening at Crestmont. And Lord, we do give you our sons and daughters for local and global mission. And Lord, we just pray that you would multiply a hundred times over. Whatever amount of renewal you're stirring here at the church, multiply it a hundred times over in our youth and in our children. And God, we do say, Lord, that we trust you. We trust you, Lord. We trust you with our kids. And we know you're going to write this story for your glory. And so we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.